This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Starting in verse 11, it says, Do not speak evil of one another, brethren. He who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. So it, there is one lawgiver, he who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you to judge another? Continuing on, verse 13 says, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow... We'll go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears before a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, then we shall live and do this or that. But now you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. Therefore, To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. So James continues on with this thought process um, of this brotherhood or this union, this group of members, this group of Christian believers. And he says, do not speak evil of one another, brethren. So we know that he's not talking to the world once again. He's talking to this group that's joined together. He's talking to the group of believers. He's talking to a group that we have already determined is rooted down deep in their faith. And James has tried to encourage them not only to be rooted in their faith, but allow their works to be put in place and allow their faith to produce works. And I have already discussed with you quite a few times now that I believe through our conversations and the direction that the Lord is leading us and has led us through the course of the last two months and even going forward is digging deep into that and understanding that that even though we're a, a body of faith and even though that we're a body that's rooted down in our faith and our relationship is strong, that God's pushing us to more. He's pushing us to something deeper to something new. He's pushing us to be fruitful with our life, to allow that faith to produce works. And so now he's talking to this group. He's talking to that same group that he's been pushing the whole time. And he says, don't speak evil of one another. He says, he who speaks evil of a brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. Obviously, they had some some issues going on between them. They had some problems going on that James is attempting to address. And these issues are not between them and the world. The issues are the lack of encouragement within this body. The issues are the lack of, of agreement or, the, or they're against each other within themselves, within their, their family, their believer uh, crowd, their body of believers, whatever you would call them. Uh, they're issues with each other. And he says, don't be evil to each other. Don't speak evil to each other. He's already addressed taming the tongue in this letter. We already discussed that several weeks ago, and he talked about we, we discussed the power that is within the tongue and the life and death that we can speak. And so James is, again, addressing them, and he's getting one-on-one, and he says, look, I've already told you to tame your tongue. He said, now I'm telling you that you got to tame it against each other. 
He said, there's obviously more going on. There's obviously something deeper. And, and you need to know that you can't speak evil of each other. And then he reveals this, this thought, this idea to them that I think so often we may fail to realize. He says, if you speak evil of a brother, then you're actually speaking evil of the law. And you're judging the law. What law is he talking about? What law is James talking about? He said, if you speak evil of a brother, you judge your brother, meaning you look down on them for something that they're doing, or you form your opinions against them, you talk about them, you form your opinions, you think what they're doing is wrong or whatever. He says, you're actually speaking evil of the law or you're judging the law. What is the law? Anybody got a thought? The law of grace. Previously, I was trying to find out exactly where it was, but earlier in this letter, he talked about the royal law. Remember we discussed that weeks back? James discusses the royal law, and what he's, what he's actually referring to is the law that not actually the Mosaic law that came from Moses in the, in the beginning, but this is actually the law that Jesus came and fulfilled. When Jesus answered the question of the greatest commandment, he said, well, first of all, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second is equally important. You love your neighbor as yourself. So James is saying that when you speak evil against your brother and you judge your brother, you're going against this royal law that Jesus has, has laid. That's the, that is the law of grace. You're not giving anybody grace. You're not allowing your brother or your sister to have a fault without absolutely pushing them down. But he says, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. That's an interesting statement. So if you're not a, if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. We've already had the conversations where James told these people don't just to be, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. To act on what you hear, act on what you know. And we've talked about that, and we, we've discussed that when we went through that portion of this letter that James is encouraging them deeper. Don't just act on what you have in your head. Don't act on what the knowledge that you know, even your grace. You know we've been given power. We've been given authority, and it's easy for us to read that and to know it. And James said, don't just hear it. Don't deceive yourself by hearing the word and not acting in the word. Not only in, in the bad, but also in the good. And here he's saying, if you judge the law, then you're not actually doers of the law because you, if you understand the perfect law of grace that, that George is talking about, if you understand that royal law, then you know that Jesus came to allow us to have grace. Me and you are no different than anybody else that we needed that grace, right? So if I think I'm somebody better than, than somebody else, and I begin to judge on that level that only God could judge. Well, who in the world do I think I am? And that's easy for us to say, no, we don't judge each other. It's easy for us to, to think, I absolutely, I wouldn't do that. I'd never put my brother or my sister down. But really, even in the small things, if we're not careful, we can find ourselves there. 
Who, who do we think we are for somebody to have to earn our grace? Yeah. And that's what James is saying. He says there's one lawgiver who's able to save and destroy. Who in the world do you think you are to judge each other? I told you a couple weeks back about a, a Facebook post that a pastor friend of mine had put up about uh, the issue going on in Target and um, all of the, the gay rights movement. And, and what the Lord revealed to him was, why do we put labels on people? How are we putting these labels and we're, determined, we, we're categorizing people almost the same way that we want to categorize sin? And sin is sin just like people are people. And James is saying, who are you any better than anybody else? To be judging each other. But obviously there's not a true understanding of grace. And we get to a point in our walk, and we've been doing this thing a long time, and we get to a point that if we're not careful, we're comfortable. And we're comfortable coming in and sitting on a church pew, and we're comfortable going through the motions of worship. And we, we think we got it all together, and for the most part we do, because we don't do the things that other people do. But realistically, we're no different. He said that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It didn't matter that I don't have the lifestyle that somebody else has, that I'm not off doing this crazy stuff, that I, I wasn't even doing whatever it was before I was saved. I was still a sinner. And a sinner is a sinner is a sinner. It don't matter what the sin is. We all have to be saved by grace. And James is trying to bring these people back to a reality and said, so just because you got your faith rooted down and just because you are, are drowned in this faith and your faith is deep and you're one of those, those great saints of God, and I believe that's who he's talking to. We read this letter, we studied, I believe he's talking to a good group of people that are lovers of Jesus. He says, but you got to wake up and realize that your faith is not producing the works of grace. You're almost, it's almost like they're taking that faith and they put a... a veil over their eyes and they don't understand who they are. They won't look in the mirror or even look back to our past. And instead, they'll cast out. And he brings them back to the reality and says, there's only one lawgiver. Me, nor you. He's standing in front of them. He says, I have no authority to speak any evil or to throw any judgment. We don't have a place to throw judgment. And James is saying, none of us have a place. We have one creator who's the, the master of it all, the Lord of lords. And when we start allowing ourselves to speak evil of each other, and we allow ourselves to start putting each other down or speaking of the way somebody's acting out or what somebody's doing or whatever, what they're not doing, then it's almost like we get to a point, even though we may not do it consciously, what we're doing is, James says, we're putting ourselves right up in the same playing field with God. He said, there's only one lawgiver, there's only one judge. Who do you think you are? And he's having to tell this group of faith-filled people, bring yourself back down to reality and realize who you are and where you come from. You don't get to play in the same ball field that God plays in for figure of speech. 
you're humbled if you get to be the bat boy. We sure don't get to, to go play on the field. Verse 13 is interesting and it's hard to kind of tie this together. But he says, Come now or pay attention. You who say today or tomorrow will go to such and such a city and spend a year there and buy and sell and make a profit. Where you don't have a clue what will happen tomorrow. He says, what, what's your life? Is it even a vapor as it appears for a little time and vanishes away? He said, who, who do you think you are to make these decisions? And he's carrying forth with that same thought process, even though it has nothing to do with speaking evil or talking or judging each other. He, he's trying to portray this point of figure out who you are and humble yourself to your place. He says, what is your life? And he asked that question knowing that he nor any of them have the answer to that. If you look back over your life, I can sure enough look over mine. I went through pictures last night. Yesterday was mine and Micah's eighth anniversary, and I scrolled through pictures over the last eight years, and I looked at where life has kind of taken us, where God has taken us. And it's, it's pretty crazy. And I, I looked, and I was looking at pictures specifically of Micah, and I got pictures of her all over the place. And, and doing all kind of crazy things. And I, I put a post up on Facebook, and there were like 10 pictures that I did. But I had like 25 that I had pulled. That Every one of them, as I laid there in the bed looking through these pictures, I played the story back. And I thought that season of life that we had been through and how I would have never dreamed eight years ago that that season would have ever even come. And then after that season was another season that it was like, where did this even come from? And then it just kept going. If you think back over your life, you had no idea that you would one day be here and you would be doing what you're doing and you would have, have maybe you thought, okay, you're here, but how did you get here? Life takes its twists and turns and you really don't have a clue. I had no idea that that I'd be standing here tonight pastoring this church. And James throws out the question and says, what is your life? You think you got it together. You think you get to go to and fro. You say you're going to that city to make a profit. And he's figuratively speaking of these traveling merchants that just go town to town and do this. And he says, you think you got it together. You think you're going to do this. But do you even know what your life holds? And it's almost like these people have gotten to the point, they have, they've overestimated what they believe grace is and they've, they've overcompensated what they believe God's going to give them. They, they've set themselves to this point because their faith, I believe, was so deep, their faith was so rich that, that they've set themselves on this platform where they lost the humility of who they are and who God is over them. It's almost like that they got so deep and they got so consumed that they forgot that God is the creator. He's the author of life. And then he gives them that correction. And he says, what you ought to say is if the Lord wills, we shall live and do this or that. What's the significance of them saying 
if the Lord wills, we live and do this or that. On one hand, he says, you come by and you say, hey, we're going to this such and such city, and we're going to stay there for this amount of time. We're going to make a profit. And then he says, on the other hand, he said, what you should be doing is you should say, if the Lord wills or if, if it's the Lord's will or the Lord willing, that we're going to go and do this and that. Where's the difference? Yeah. Not even only, you, you can even take it to the extreme of literally what it says, that you're allowing God to lead and you're following the roadmap that you believe he's placed before you, the Lord's will of your life. But the first person didn't even consider God in the plans at all. Sure, if the Lord wills, but for even to consider what the Lord's will or, or God's plan is means you have to at least consider him in the decision in the first place. And, and what I'm saying is you've got to, if I'm doing my best to walk in the Lord's will and walk through his path of life, then that, that's, that's this level of faith and that's this level of respect in who God is. Just letting him in our mindset through our thought process at least starts bringing up the bar a little bit from us making our own decisions. He said, but now you boast in your arrogance. He said, because you say what you're going to do and you say what you believe you want to do and you're making your decisions for you. He said, you're so arrogant and so full of yourself that you've forgotten who you are. We're nothing but people. Lowly people. Sure. God's masterpiece his most prized creation. But we're still just people. He said, and here you are boasting in your arrogance. Just as if you're speaking evil of one another and just as if you're casting judgment to one another and you think you're equal with God, you think you're good enough, you don't even realize that you yourself are under judgment. You're casting that judgment to somebody else. He said, just the same here now, you're making plans of life and you're making decisions and God's not even in the picture. Lord, help us. When we start making decisions and God's not in the picture. I don't know if you've done that or not before. There's been times in life when I made decisions based on what Mitchell Felt like it was right, what Mitchell wanted. Those opportunities really didn't turn out to be the best situations. <laughs> Matter of fact, they were probably some of the most suffering times of life. There have been times when I know I've walked completely in the obedience of God. And I've absolutely followed his will and I've absolutely sought what he wanted and I still walk through some rough seasons of life. Don't mean it's going to be all peachy. To consider what God wants. But if we're doing what George is saying and we're putting ourselves above grace and we're overestimating what grace has for tomorrow, then we're stepping out into that old world right there and, and we ain't even considering that God's going to cover us. At least if I'm walking in his will and I'm, I'm considering what he wants for me in my life and that decision, even if it's rough, I know I'm covered in the grace because I'm walking in his path. 
rather than my path. James says, but now you boast in your arrogance. He says, all such boasting is evil. He's trying his best to show them we're not God. We have no place to speak evil to each other. I've given my examples of people that I believe are not necessarily part of the body of Christ, that they're outside of the church. James is talking to this body of believers. And Paul talked about the correction of a brother and a sister when a brother and sister falls, the proper way to correct that brother and sister and go to them and and explain to them and tell them what's going on, but there's still not judgment within that that you're any better than I am through that correction. He's talking to this group of people that have gotten so consumed in what they believe God has for them and who they believe they are in God that they're to the point they think they're liking. They're making their own plans, doing their own thing. What is so sad is he calls it evil. We know that. That's easy for us to say. We talked about this either last week or the week before. That Could you imagine being the church that this letter was written to? And you think you got it all together and you're a strong family of believers and you're full of faith. And then all of a sudden here James comes in and he starts casting and he starts pouring out that instruction. And he says, what you're doing actually is evil where he tells you that your faith is not even a saving faith, the faith you have is not even a faith that's even a faith that would bring salvation. You imagine being that family of believers, that family of faith. That would have been rough. But he shows me that we all have to be corrected and we all have to be humbled. And sometimes we have to have some discipline. James gives that reminder You're just a person, just like that other person. We're all human. No different than the, you know, we have prisons that are full of people that made some bad decisions. Well, I've made some bad decisions too. It just so happened that my bad decisions had different consequences. They were still bad decisions. Verse 17 He says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is a sin. That's a powerful statement. Because we know what we're not supposed to do. We know the law. We know the word. We know that as Christians there's things that we just don't want to do. Not only do we no, we don't need to do them. We choose not to do them. We don't want to do them. But it's a little different when you know that there's something you are supposed to do. And you have to struggle with the sacrifice to make it happen. And James says, to him who knows to do good and don't do it, he said, it's just as much of a sin if you did something you knew you shouldn't have done. That's an interesting statement for him to finish up this thought process of humbling ourselves and putting ourselves back in our place 
understanding grace, understanding how grace works for us, not overextending our own grace to take us through the next day. That's an interesting statement to me to follow up to finish this conversation with. But if we think about the fact he's talking to this body of believers, brothers and sisters, rooted down deep in their faith that he's doing their best through this letter, through this conversation, to encourage them, to allow their faith to produce works, to allow their life to be fruitful. He said Jesus gave the mission to go and make disciples. Jesus gave the example to be other-minded, to, to reach out to other people. And he's talking to this group of people that rather than being other-minded and rather than, than reaching out to other people, we're self-minded. And he, he's talking to this group of people that have become self-minded and they're putting their self above other people rather than putting other people above themselves. He said, and you know better. You know that Jesus' life was all about other people. He said, you know that you're supposed to extend grace. You know you're supposed to love God, which these people had under control. Their, for, their, their shortfall was the fact that they weren't loving people like they loved themselves. He says, and when you know to do good and you know what's right and you know to put other people in front of yourself and you don't do it, You've let yourself sin. And we're guilty of that. We're guilty of walking through life. We're a people of networks. We're a connected group of people. If you got breakfast anywhere other than at home this morning, you saw somebody. Probably more than one person. I did. I saw three. And then I pumped gas and I saw two more. And then I went to work and I sat with two all day long. And then there was two more custodians. And then I went to lunch at the new sheets in Lillington and that joint slammed full of people, packed out, madhouse. And I left and went back to work and I saw another lady in the office. And that was all after I had seen my wife and my two kids this morning. And then I get here and see all of y'all. You ever really thought about the people that you come in contact with in a day? I know to do good. I know that those people need Jesus. I know that even if they have Jesus, they need to be encouraged. It's my job to speak life to people, not, not as a minister, not as a pastor, as a believer, as a person that loves Jesus, that has the love of Jesus hidden down in my heart. I'm supposed to let that light shine, and my, out of my mouth should come life to people. I know that. We're a connected group of people. Random thought. What if all the people that I come in contact with today, and every person you come in contact with today, was in this room Sunday morning. We would have these pews slammed full with one day's worth of people. My prayer tonight, as I studied this today, is that I would remember who I am and I would keep my humility. And that as a body of believers, as a family, that we wouldn't be the church that James has written this letter to that's so lost in our faith, that's so deep down in our faith that we're not allowing ourselves to produce 
the fruit, and we're not putting ourselves above other people, but we would be another minded family. That we would start to see who we are and the purpose that we have and the job that we have, the calling that's on each one of us to be other minded and to be Jesus minded. Every decision we make, we wouldn't be like the people that James is talking about, that we would boast in our arrogance that we're going to do this or that, and we would never consider what the Lord wants. We have to make plans. We do make plans, but we make plans according to what God wants for us. So that's my prayer. I ask that you pray that with me tonight. Let's pray. Father, I love you, Lord. I thank you for who you are. God, I thank you for your grace. Or the grace that I, I can't earn, that I don't deserve. Or the grace that you've given so freely that I've got enough to get me through today, God. And tomorrow morning, Lord, your mercies are new. And I'll be given my measure of grace for tomorrow to make it through tomorrow. God, I pray that we stay humble, God, that I stay humble, that we stay humble as a family. Lord, to know who we are, where we come from, God, and your grace is enough for today. Your grace is sufficient for today. God, and I pray that we would seek your, your will, Lord. We seek you in our decision-making. We seek you through everything that we do. God, as we look throughout life and we plan life, we make decisions for our families, God, I pray that they would be centered around you. God, I pray that we would be conscious of, of what we say, the things that we do, Lord, that we would not speak evil to each other or about other people, God, but we would speak love, we would speak life. Lord, understanding that we're no better than anybody else. You created us all in your image. Lord, and it would be a terrible thing for us to speak or cast judgment against one of your creations. God, I pray that you would humble us, convict us, God, Allow us to have the hope. Allow us to remember hope. That you are the saving grace for us. You've given us something that we can give somebody else. Lord, and as we make our connections, as we go through life and we experience all the connections that we have, God, I pray that we would extend that grace to every person we come in contact with. Lord, that every person would see something special in us. They would see something different in us, maybe by our, our speech by the smile we have on our face, by our countenance, God, I pray that they would see something different, that they would want that. Lord, that we would be other-minded, putting ourselves below other people. God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for what you've done here tonight. I thank you for another opportunity to be in your house, Lord, with this wonderful family. I pray you bless us and keep us and bring us back again. In Jesus' name, amen.